Johnny Brumberg, it's time to talk Discovery Health. How are you? Good, good, good. Okay, first things first, um, let's discuss the Discovery Fund and how that, that plays a role in all the different businesses and what the Discovery Fund is busy with at the moment and how that pertains to health. Gareth, um, we have two vehicles that uh, do our CSI work in Discovery. One is the fund, which you asked about, and I'd also like to talk about the foundation, sure. which is separate. So the fund um, is a long-standing vehicle which has put tens of millions over the years into a number of very high-priority healthcare kind of activities. So uh, many NGOs uh, in, the, in the early years of the HIV and AIDS crisis, which were looking after AIDS orphans and vulnerable children, and we continue to support uh, really important work in, in that sector. Uh, primary care, so there are many parts of the country you know, poorly served by the public health care system, and you have NGOs and organizations that deliver very high quality, very low cost, you know, basic primary health care services to communities. And so we are very involved through the fund in, um, in funding those kind of activities. So there are a number of things that have, uh, in which the fund is really just nurtured uh, a series of health supporting services and activities that are falling through the cracks otherwise in society. And this, of course, speaks to the values again. Completely. Because yeah. these people who are the most vulnerable are also the ones who account for the majority of the health statistics in South Africa. And a focus on, on basic health care and on HIV AIDS are obviously the areas that everyone is most concerned with. Exactly. You know, I think in a fundamental part of the values of, uh, of discovery is to be a force for social good. Right. That lies at the heart of what Hilton described as the shared value idea. So in, in a nutshell, that's about being a lot more than simply building a great business that earns good returns for its shareholders. It's about saying, let's use the 8,000 people that we have in this country, um, all the assets, all the expertise to impact much more broadly than only on our clients. So this is one example. Mm -hmm. Healthcare is a human right, and sadly in our country, our government doesn't meet all of its obligations in terms of the Constitution, and therefore I think as citizens and as corporate citizens, we need to step up and do that, and that's always been very important to us. Well, it's, it's really interesting you use the word need because that, that is a distinction that often people, when they're talking about business, they tend to forget that business doesn't have to, but from your point of view, you, you feel that there is a need to do that. Absolutely. And, yeah. and I think that that sometimes doesn't get the credit it deserves, particularly when we're talking about things like the national health insurance, which is very much still on the table. Um, and government's attitude very often to business is almost adversarial, where in fact business is coming to the party and saying, and in your case in Discovery in particular, that we, we want to be a part of the solution here. And we realize that the overall health of society will impact upon our clients if we don't take it into, into cognizance. Exactly. I mean, none of us live, none of us is an island. We mm. all live in this society. And if people around us are suffering, you know, whether from economic deprivation or ill health, the whole society suffers ultimately. So that's very clear. And, you know, things like the CEO initiative, I think you talked about adversarial attitude from government. It does feel like under the new president that is shifting. Good. Um, there's clearly a reach out from him and his cabinet to business. 
business is very much ready and waiting to reciprocate. And so we're busy here, you know, preparing to create a thousand new learnerships as part of the CEO initiative. You might have seen that NetCare announced a thousand yesterday. Yep. So, you know, these kind of things are just fundamentally important. And in this moment in our history, business is among the most capable actors in society that can literally make things happen in that way. So we have to do that, and, and, and we do need to do it. The last time I spoke to you, I got very excited when we got talking about sequencing people's genomes, doing a lot of things that I suppose Discovery Health is is the real innovator in, in respect of, of what you guys offer that nobody else does. Um, I have no doubt that in the time that's passed, you've moved on to even more interesting areas. Are there any things in particular at the moment with respect to the stuff I was discussing with Hilton that you've found yourself more than slightly obsessed with when it comes to health? I know this stuff keeps you up in your off time as well as your sure, on time. Sure. Yeah, I think one of the big shifts, um, which is just, has built on what we were speaking about a couple of years back, is the entry really of artificial intelligence and machine learning uh, as a set of accessible tools that can, that can leverage the data we have on people. So we're quite quickly moving now to a, a world where rather than one-size-fits-all treatment, say for we've got 250,000 people with diabetes in the Discovery Health environment. Currently, we have a one-size-fits-all program for you if you're a diabetic. You know, the next phase for us is we can predict somebody who's going to get diabetes many years before it happens and intervene with a particular program for them. But also when you've got diabetes, you, there's many different types. There are different bodies that respond to different interventions. And so we're using big data and analytics heading down a world of, you know, literally one program for one person. So that includes both medication, but also the kind of incentives we'll offer you um, the rewards we'll offer you for meeting the incentives, the way we'll ask your doctor to treat you. So we're really moving in a, into this highly personalized world. We're not there yet, but we can see the movement happening very quickly now. And it must be exciting for doctors and for medical practitioners of all kinds because before they'd have to run into each other at a symposium and learn about what the other one was researching or some particular case he found. Now, thanks to this big data, they can tap into trends and, and new information without having to leave their own practice. That's true. It also has some interesting challenges for doctors. So, for example, there are you know, AI-powered machines now that can read brain scans uh, better than your, your you know, best radiologist. So there's some opportunities and there's some threats. Uh, you know, I think in future you'll see doctors working alongside computers uh, and the results will be much more accurate diagnosis, much better treatment. So that's also a very interesting frontier that so, we're seeing. So uh, if, I'm, if I'm to draw on Ray Kurzweil, how long until we can live forever? I mean, do you see the, de the date shifting forward, backwards, any kind of prediction here? I, the data, the, the stuff I'm reading suggests that kids born in this generation, you will start to see people living to 150. Wow. So children being born now, some people in that generation will live as long as 150, and that the average for that generation is going to head to above 100. Wow. Because we're currently at 85, right? So. Well, that's, for some people here, that's good news, and for some parents, it's terrifying. <laughs> 
Well, the 150-year-old inter- kid who's still living at home. One of the very interesting things, and you know, we, we're not talking today about investments and saving for the future, but one of the very interesting consequences of a 150-year life is people are going to have to start preparing for a 100-year career, Jeez. at least, right? Between learning and then retirement, you're going to be working for 100 years. How does that sound? Uh, <laughs> if, you, if you're the kind of person who loves your job, that's great news. If you're the kind of person who's finding it difficult to get to work every morning, you'd best start looking for something that inspires you over 100 years. <laughs> and people change. Thank you so much, Johnny. Always good to catch up with you and keep up the interesting work. And I'm, I mean, so much of it is interesting, so it's hard to choose.